Welcome to the The Generation Podcast, an audio resource dedicated to a generation of young people who are committed to total surrender to God and total dependence on His power to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. This podcast is designed to strengthen and encourage through a series of Bible-based practical talks. Welcome to the The Generation Podcast. I'm Bobby Bosler, and I'm speaking to you today from Covington, Georgia. I just want to say, young people, I've got a lot on my heart here today. I just flew back last night as of the time of this recording uh, from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, where I had the privilege of attending with my two oldest children, the Victory Conference in Menominee Falls. And um, I tell you what, it was a phenomenal week. Uh, The burden and theme was extreme love. Uh, It is unconditional. It is unbelievable. And it is unstoppable. And uh, this theme means a lot to me. Uh, Last fall, Joe Mueller and I spent a whole lot of time in prayer and work and trying to get the verbiage right to just really to capture the essence of this theme. And so this is an unusual uh, victory conference because I came into it with a pretty uh, strong opinion <laughs> as far as uh, what the theme was all about. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm so thankful for how the Lord led and for what God did through the preachers. And uh, in fact, I want to encourage you, if you get a chance, I want to encourage you uh, to search for Victory Conference podcast on your podcast player of choice and find those episodes. It would do you well to listen through the whole conference from start to finish. I know you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, this is an adult conference. Well, sure, there were a lot of adults there, but actually there were uh, somebody remarked to me that there were a whole lot of teenagers at the Victory Conference this year as well. They were all over the place. And so uh, God's truth is truth. And as such, it'll be a blessing to you, I know, if you listen to it. Uh, If you get a chance, listen to it through in order. Um, Often, uh, if you just pick and choose different sermons... Uh, those sermons uh, may you may miss the context of what was preached before in a conference like this. Oftentimes, people will reference what someone else said or uh, some argument that they made or whatever, and so on. So I just take it from me. Listen to it through in order. Um, if you want, you can go to vc.simplecast.com. And uh, you can find the link uh, to the podcast uh, through a variety of different uh, podcast players and hosts uh, from there as well. It's the ones that are the Extreme Love Conference. Those are the ones that you want to listen to. The reason why I say all of that is not only because I wanted to encourage you to listen to the podcast and the sermons from it, but I wanted to say I had some burdens of my own from the week. Um I was actually, I've never preached at a victory conference uh, as of yet here at this point. Who knows if the Lord will have me do it in the future. We'll see. I'm not, it's not one of my bucket list goals necessarily. Um, But uh, I was on deck. Uh, Doc Flanders, he did his session on perfect love. And there were a lot of technical things that could go wrong. His health has not been doing so well. And so they zoomed him in for it. And pastor the night before, he told me, just so you know, if... Dr. Flanders isn't able to do it or the tech fails, I'm going to be calling you up to preach. (laughs) And so between having worked on the theme and the verbiage and having prepared my heart and really asked the Lord, what would you have me say to this group? Um, I had something to say to the group and I didn't get a chance to say it. 
And so while I do believe Brother Shetler's session, Jim Shetler, he spoke at the conference, uh, his session on the greatest of these uh, came as close as I would say that I was burdened for for the conference, and I know it, it, it covered what the conference needed to cover. I still have a few other things that I'm burdened about here today as well. Um, so, okay, I want to I start this off with a little bit of a question for you. Um, if you were to tell me what the epitome, uh, big word, if you've ever seen it, you might have pronounced it epitome, but that's not how it's pronounced. What is the height? What is the apex? What is the... Um, what does a Christian, what ought a Christian be like if all systems are go? Um, some might say, well, you know, uh, a Christian ought to be, if a, if a Christian is doing what he ought to do, he ought to be living in victory over sin. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, what else, what else must, should a Christian look like if everything is clicking on all cylinders? And you might think, well, a Christian ought to be seeing answers to prayer. And I would totally agree. Absolutely. That's true. What else? And you might say, well, you know what? I think a, a Christian, they ought to, if they are really walking with God, they ought to be living in surrender to God. And you might think, yeah, that's what he's getting at, right? Um, surrender to God. Absolutely. Um, well, y- yeah, sure. Absolutely. I would say that a Christian, listen, total surrender, total dependence. I'm totally with you on that. We need to be surrendered to God. We need to be sacrificing for what God wants us to do, for sure. Um, what else? <laughs> and you might say, well, you know, a Christian uh, ought to be communicating his faith and declaring the gospel. And I would say, yes, absolutely. You might say, well, you know, a Christian needs to be totally dependent on the Lord and he needs to have faith and dependence on God and move mountains with his life. And I would say, yes, he should. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Except for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says the following. I want to read this and I I I really want you to listen. Uh, These are familiar verses, but I really want you to listen It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't want you to think that I'm cutting my own self off by the knees. I certainly don't want you to think that I'm disagreeing with the generation But young people, you can be totally surrendered to God and totally dependent on his power. But if that surrender and dependence does not result in what this passage calls charity, it's good for nothing. Um, Doc Flanders, uh, he did end up speaking at the Victory Conference via Zoom. We had him up on the screen. We listened to him remotely. 
Uh, we don't like doing the things remotely, but you know, his health has failed him a lot. And yet we believe that God has much that he wants to say to us through him. And he, he gave a session called perfect love. And I really want to encourage you to find that, that sermon on the podcast and listen to it. Um, because I feel like that might be, um, that, that particular sermon, um, was, I think the the significance of it could have been undervalued if you didn't listen carefully. I, I was literally on the edge of my seat the whole time, not just because the content was just amazing, but because at any moment I was expecting Zoom to crash and Pastor to call me up to the pulpit. Um, but uh, as he talked about perfect love, he said, you know, when it comes to experiencing God's love and sharing God's love, there is a process. There is a progression that God's love goes through. And I may not get it exactly the way he said it, but here's kind of what I walked away from it. God initiates love, right? We love him because he first loved us. The fact of the matter is, if God had not initiated his love towards us by sending Jesus to die for us, by sacrificing for ourselves, for placing our good over and above his own comfort in sending Jesus to come and die for us, we would not be able to love him, okay? It is uh, love, which is what the Christian life really ought to be all about, started with God. So God expressed his love to us through sending his son to die for us. Okay, so Jesus then sacrificed for us, yet we have a choice, don't we? We have a choice whether we're going to receive his love or not. Now notice I said receive his love and not necessarily receive the gospel, though they are definitely interrelated. They're not exactly the same thing. Did you know that it's possible to receive the gospel and to benefit from God's love, but not fully believe it or receive it or embrace it in all circumstances? This is one of the things I was burdened about for the conference this week, particularly, was that each person that came to the Victory Conference would not only understand the theology of God's love and not only understand that theologically God loves them unconditionally, but that right after a scene of failure in their lives, that they would realize God really loves me. Um, I'm, this is probably going to be a long episode just because I've got so much on my heart here today. Um, earlier this evening, um, my family and I, we took a little bit of time. We played a board game, Catan, Settlers of Catan. We've become huge fans of that. And my four-year-old Jude, he's not quite old enough to participate. We'd put the baby, baby Faith, to bed. and um, But Jude was just kind of, you know, running around, getting into things. Well, I had come home from Victory Conference with a stack of mail. It had to have been three to four inches thick. And a lot of important documents and different things like that. And so apparently, while we were playing, Jude was sorting through our mail. Yeah, four-year-old, sorting through your mail, not a good idea. And so at the end of it, Abby realized what he was doing. And she said, oh, no, Jude. And she was collecting everything. And she saw there was this one little envelope that was supposed to have our registration sticker for our trailer in it. And apparently... Jude had gotten that registration sticker, which isn't cheap. You know, it's $15 for one sticker. It's kind of expensive. I mean, it, it could have been worse. It could have been the truck one. That one's a couple hundred bucks for the sticker. But he saw a sticker and, you know, as a four-year-old, he wanted to stick it on something. So he stuck it on the front of his sticker book. So my sticker book has a little red sticker. Uh, his sticker book, rather, has a little red sticker on it that says 23 and a little picture of Wisconsin on it. 
not a good idea. Well, I told Jude that, you know, he stole the sticker from me and we had a conversation and we dealt with the issue, if you know what I mean. And um, at the end of it, I could tell Jude felt like an absolute idiot. I could tell that he just felt horrible for taking daddy's super expensive sticker and sticking it on his sticker book. And so after I disciplined him, after I saw that he realized the significance of it and realized that he felt like, you know what, I'm an absolute loser, I pulled Jude close to me and I said, Jude, I just want you to know, even though you took daddy's sticker and you, and by the way, we couldn't get it off. I had to cut off the front of his sticker book and super glue it to my license plate. But I told him, I said, even though you didn't ask and even though you stole from me, I want you to know daddy loves you anyway. I want you to know, son, that daddy is so glad that you're in his life. I want you to know I'm so glad you're my son. I'm so glad you get to travel with me. I want you to know I accept you and I love you. And you know, it is a special moment for me. And I think it was a special moment for him. And and often I found in my own life the greatest times when I've been able to understand and embrace experientially the love of God has been right after significant failure. I remember one time I'd come back from a break. I'd done some things I knew I shouldn't have done on that break. I'm talking about from Bible, uh, break from Bible college. And I was feeling pretty lousy about myself. I was feeling like a complete and total abject failure. I remember I went to the auditorium of our church there, Falls Baptist Church, uh, where the college is, and I sat in a pew. And I remember I was talking to the Lord, feeling like surely God is done with me. Surely God has had it up to here with me. Surely God's patience has run out and I have totally ruined it all. And I remember I opened up the hymnal and um, I still to this day, I don't remember which hymn it was. There's several hymns that God has used in my heart in very significant ways. And I remember as I just read the words to those hymns, that hymn, I read them out loud and God spoke to me. And during that moment, listen, some of you are unemotional in general. You may not even know what I'm talking about. I would challenge you, whether you're an emotional personality or not, you need to experience the love of Jesus Christ. I, as I read that, I realized it wasn't just theological truth that God loved me. It was God saying he loved me in my heart. It was the reality of God's love in stark contrast to my own idiocy and failure and the fact that he loved me anyway and that I still had hope with him and that he still accepted me and appreciated me and loved me. It overwhelmed me is what it did. I believe that's what it's talking about in Romans 5 when he says, Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad, poured out, just (laughs) this is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I wish I could say, there's a whole lot I could say about that, and I've mentioned that verse in other podcasts before, but I want you to know, young people, God wants you to experience emotionally his love. Love. Every one of us, I'm sure, have had moments in our lives when we realized that somebody loved us and it moved us to tears. Well, young people, that's a part of the progression. You see, God has already expressed his love towards us. He's already said, I love you. He already 
did I love you by sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. And even if we've received the gift of eternal life, that doesn't necessarily mean that we've embraced the reality of his love. Okay? So it's not just enough to understand theologically that God loves you. You must embrace experientially that God loves you. You, young person, you might be right now listening to this feeling like the biggest failure on planet Earth. Can I challenge you? Get alone with God. Open up your hymnal. Open up your Bible. Look at what God says in his word and recognize the fact that this isn't just some old dusty book from 2000 years ago. This is the living word of God that expresses the heart of God. And it's as real right now as it was when it was written 2000 years ago. God loves you. Whether you feel it, whether you think that he ought to love you, whether you feel like he loves you or not, the fact is God isn't done with you. He loves you. He died for you. He sacrificed for you. And he's still there for you, young person. Embrace the reality of his love. Get alone with him. Again, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Uh, Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine and ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness faithfulness. That hymn, particularly, there have been many times I've gone for a walk with God and I've been walking and just maybe feeling bad about a situation, feeling overwhelmed about a situation. And that third verse, (laughs) oh, I'm telling you, there's so many times that verse has brought me to tears and it's just quickened my heart with the reality of his love for me. You might say, that sounds nice, preacher. Must be nice to have an emotional personality No, 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 no. Young person, that is your birthright as a believer to be able to at any time experience experientially, emotionally, his love. Listen, sometimes you go days and weeks without experiencing his love and it just becomes a theological factoid, trivia. No wonder you struggle. No wonder... You feel insecure in your relationships. No wonder you feel like God's a million miles away because he kind of is to you. Listen, young person, you need to experience his love. You need to. Why is that so important? Okay, back to Doc Flanders' sermon, okay? He said there is a, a progression. It starts with God. God already expressed his love towards us, but we must receive it. And I would argue it's not just receiving it theologically, but it's it's receiving it emotionally, experientially. Why is that so important? Because the last step in the equation, and this was his whole conclusion, that love must be perfected. That doesn't mean we become perfect, but that love, the, the, the progression must be completed of his love. And the way that that progression is completed is when we then, from the reservoir of love that we have received from God, it's when we share that love. It's when we transmit that love. It's when we become channels or conduits of that love to be shared with others. So you can't give 
what you don't already have. You can't give what you haven't embraced and received. And see, God has called us to love one another. God has called us to be known or characterized by love and not just receivers, one-way receptors of God's love. God's called us to receive his love and then turn around and show his love to your annoying brothers and sisters, to the snot-nosed jerk in your class. God has called you to administer his love to the teacher that's cranky every day, to that person at the airport that just won't leave you alone about the mask. God has called you to show his love to the kid down the street that constantly is loud and annoying to show his love to your parents, to your siblings, to the world. Here's why that's so important. If you haven't experienced and received his love, you can't get it. His love can't be completed because this progression can be stalled. It can be bottlenecked at any one point in the process. And I'll tell you what, God isn't the bottleneck. It's not his expressing and administering of his love to us. No, the bottleneck is often us receiving it or us transferring it to others. Okay? So why did I read the passage at the beginning? Here's why. If You can understand how to depend on the Lord all day long. You can be surrendered to him to do whatever he wants you to do. But if you don't have the progression of his love completed, if it's bottlenecked, or if you become a cul-de-sac of his love and it doesn't, it just comes to you and stops there and doesn't go out of you to others, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says, you're nothing. You're nothing. You want, you want to know how to be nothing in the Christian life? You want to know how to be a dead end in the Christian life? You want to know how to, how to profit nobody in the total surrender and total dependence of your life? Here's how. Don't receive his love and don't give it to anybody. Often we're just plain selfish people. We see total surrender and total dependence as a pathway to success and recognition and glory, but that is not what the generation is about. The generation isn't some theological fast track to religious fame and notoriety. Listen, the whole point of surrendering to him and depending on him is this. You are supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, but you can't do it. <laughs> One of the things Brother Shetler said in his session on the greatest of these is the, the piece that God put together in his heart was that the love expressed and explained in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and verse 4 and following is a love that is alien to us. It is impossible for us to replicate that. The only person who can do that kind of love that, that's patient, that's kind, that doesn't vaunt itself, that doesn't behave unseemly, that doesn't seek oneself, that doesn't rejoice in iniquity, isn't provoked, rejoices in the truth, puts up with people all the time and never fails. The only person who has that kind of love is Jesus. And guess what, young people? Jesus lives in you. And I know that sounds cliche to some of you. How do you 
administer love? How do you cause his love to flow through you? You say, well, be filled with the spirit. Absolutely. Yes. You walk in the spirit and guess what? You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit will be first and foremost love, not your love, but God's love. But here's the thing, young people, you can't give what you don't have. And I would argue that in order to administer, to transmit his love, you got to receive it first. And if you don't receive it, you can't give it. And if you don't give it, I don't care how well you know faith, how much you think you depend on the Lord. I don't care how much you've surrendered, how much you've given up, how much you've let go of in your life, how many dreams you've surrendered to God, how many difficult decisions you've made, how much you've sacrificed to follow God's call, if it doesn't result in you loving your brother, if it doesn't result in you loving that lost soul, it's been a complete and total waste. I want to jump down a little closer to the end of the chapter here. He said this in verse 11. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I'll have time to explain the whole context, except to say this to you young people. To live in dependence on the Lord for victory over pornography to live in dependence and surrender to the Lord for victory over worldly music, to live in dependence on the Lord for victory in you name whatever the issue is, but to not have love is to still be in degeneration kindergarten. To be in your doctoral degree <laughs> is to be living a life of love, supernatural love, not contrived love, love, not fake love, not mask on your face, smile at other people, love, but true love that cares more about the good of others than yourself. It says in verse 13, the end of the chapter, he says, now abideth faith, hope, charity. Faith would be dependence. Hope would be confident expectation of something good in the future. But he says these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Chapter 14, verse 1, he says, follow after charity. I, I hope you're getting this. Uh, again, I don't know if this is making sense to you. I've got so much on my heart. But listen, if I don't love my kids, I can be the the generation guy. But if I don't love my kids, I'm nothing. I can give an amazing podcast and I can run a youth summit, and I can see thousands of teens won to Christ through the war and the cola clash, but if I don't love my wife, I'm nothing, and neither are you. Listen, this love thing isn't just a nice little theme that gets everybody to feel ooey-gooey and fuzzy with fuzzy feelings inside. This extreme love, if you will receive it, I'm telling you what, God's love for you is unconditional and your love for others ought to be as well. God's love for you is unbelievable. And listen, God's, God stopped at nothing to express his love at you, uh, for you. And young people, I want you to know that if you will grab a hold of his love 
and purpose to show it. Your life will be unstoppable too. You know, young people, I've been personally challenged by the fact that love is not a nice idea. It ought to define me. It ought to define how I relate with my kids. Listen, it doesn't mean I let my kids walk all over me. It doesn't mean I let them get away with stuff. But it's like this. If if my kids know that I love them, if I show the love of Jesus Christ to them, I may not do everything perfectly, but I think I'm going to be about where I need to be. <laughs> if I can show my teen that's traveling with me that I love them. Listen, we may not get 300 names and numbers next week, but I think we'll be doing okay. Young people, I'm just trying to challenge you here. Don't forget about love, because if you don't have it, you can have everything else right. But if you miss that, you miss everything. Listen, I want to be totally surrendered to God. I do. And this is something I need to surrender to him about. And I know I can't love like I ought to, which is why I need to be totally dependent on him. But I need to let that surrender and dependence direct me to perfect the process that God began when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins by loving others. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope it's helped you. Um, If you are still interested in listening to the rest of the messages from the Victory Conference, I will leave a link in the description. And so, hey, thanks for listening to me. I suppose this is sermon number, what, 16, 17 from the Victory Conference. I don't know. But hey, listen, if you got any thoughts for me, feel free to send me an email, bobby at thegeneration.org. If you got any prayer requests, anything like that that I can help you out with, uh, feel free to reach out. And thank you so much. God bless you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the The Generation Podcast. If this challenge stirred your heart, then you might want to join us this coming October for our annual The Generation Youth Summit. You can compete in exciting four-way competitions and hear how your life can turn the world upside down. For more information, please visit thegeneration.org summit. That's T-H-E-E generation.org summit.